Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Welcome to this Sunday edition of Heritage Bible Radio, where this week Pastor Jim has taught through Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. This was part of Jesus' ministry in the region of Galilee, and in the first few verses of Mark's gospel, he brings into focus the divine authority with which Jesus spoke. Not only did he teach authoritatively in a way that the professional teachers of the time did not, but he demonstrated the authority of his word by commanding demons. To repeat a brief review of demonology I've given all week, a demon is an angel created by God who rebelled against God by joining Satan's rebellion, and their destiny is final judgment in the lake of fire. Unlike how you and I live today, in Jesus' day, demon possession was a recognized phenomenon that the people were familiar with. The people who listened to Jesus speak were already amazed at the authority Jesus exhibited when he taught, but one of the testimonies to Jesus' claim to be the Son of God, speaking with divine authority, was his impact on demons when he encountered them. Pastor Jim closes the lesson with some personal application in this last segment of the sermon entitled, Amazed or Terrified? He commands even the unclean spirits, they said, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. And we'll be picking it up and seeing part of that next time. This time, Mark uses the more normal word for amazed. They were blown away. They were astonished at the contrast between Jesus and the Pharisees, the scribes, and the rabbis. They just they didn't have a category for him. They, it says they debated among themselves. Now, they didn't sit down and have a formal debate, uh, an organized debate, but this was the buzz. This was the chatter. This was all they could talk about. And they were trying to figure it out because it, it, it was hard to get all the fog of all the nonsense and the, and, the, and the moralistic stuff that they'd been taught and get that swept away. They, what they'd grown up in and had drifted so far from the truth that they, they just were trying to sort it out. But they were amazed. And at this point, the amazement was mainly manifested in an uncontrollable excitement over Jesus. Yeah, they were being confronted with the true gospel instead of the moralistic do-good works righteousness of the, of the Pharisees. But it was a lot to handle. They wanted to hear more. They wanted to bring more people to hear. They wanted to talk about it. They were compelled to talk about it and, 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 and think about it. Now, it's interesting that the times that Jesus spent in and around Galilee include the vast majority of the miracles and most of the teaching that you have recorded from his lips in the Gospels. Other than at the very end of his life, the Olivet Discourse in those last few days, <coughs> that last week in the temple. But this is the front end of what is called the Great Galilean Ministry. 
He did a lot there. They were so hostile to him down in Jerusalem, it was a good thing to go to redneck country, be out where the, where the real people were. Now in time, Jesus' work and teaching in Galilee was going to capture the attention oh, and the ire of the Pharisees and the Sadducees down in Jerusalem. They would eventually send representatives up to Galilee to shut him up They wanted to confront him and discredit him and silence him. And that didn't go so well. When they couldn't shut him up, then they went back home and started plotting his murder. Worked on it for over a year. And we're going to see how that unfolds as we go on in Mark. But let me ask you, how do you compare to these two reactions? You really ought to be having both of them? First of all, I mean, are you amazed by Jesus? Does it blow you away to know what He did and what He taught and what He calls you to? And are you terrified at the thought of eternal damnation? You should be amazed by Jesus and you should be terrified at the fact that you have sewn up an ironclad reservation for the lake of fire unless you stand under the umbrella of Christ's atonement. And you need to realize that the, the true message of the gospel is that you are alienated from God because of your sin. You could say it a different way. You You should be amazed by Jesus and you should be terrified at the prospect of eternal damnation because you're separated from God apart from Christ. And the only way for you to be forgiven, the only way for you to have eternal life, the only way is by receiving the free gift of eternal life that is what Jesus bought with His own death. Your wages, they're owed to you. That's death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ, be amazed and be terrified, but then make the right choice. I said something before, um, I think it bears repeating. Actually, I, I said this when we were working our way through Second Peter, and um, interestingly, that sermon just hit the radio program this week, and I heard back a couple times about this, and I thought, you know what? This is the right time to say that again. So I want to say this. My friend, you don't need Christ because you feel a lack of purpose. You don't need Christ because you've had a career setback. You don't need Christ because you're unemployed. You don't need Christ because maybe you've gotten yourself into debt beyond your means. You don't need Christ because you have a chronic illness. You don't need Christ because you fell into sexual sin or because your spouse cheated on you or left you. You don't need Christ because you're struggling as a parent. You don't need Christ because you were a victim of a crime. You don't need Christ because you were bullied. You don't need Christ because you were hurt by someone. You don't need Christ because you were betrayed by someone. You don't need Christ because you're in legal trouble. You don't need Christ because you have a wayward child. You don't need Christ because you are depressed. You don't need Christ because you drink to excess. You don't need Christ because you abuse drugs. You don't need Christ because you have an anger problem. Now, don't get me wrong, God has great compassion 
toward anyone who is dealing with any of those things. But that's not why you need a Savior. You need a Savior. You need Christ because your sin has alienated you from God. And your innate sinfulness and all of the various ways that you have found to express your innate sinfulness has made you an enemy of God. If you've ever for one fleeting moment broken any one of His laws, you are a lawbreaker and you are alienated from God. And the Bible says you're an enemy. And nothing else will satisfy your soul unless and until you are first reconciled to God. You can improve any of those situations that I mentioned, painful as they are, but any improvement is nothing more than like putting Band-Aid on cancer until you're right with God. You need to come to Him. What did Jesus preach? He preached the, the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom, that the king is here. What's the message of that king? Well, we have it in its fullness now. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 10, God demonstrates His own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. That's the gospel. He did it for you. But you need to embrace it. John 1.12, as many as received Him, welcomed Him, embraced Him, as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name and therefore 2 Corinthians 5 20 and 21 is true therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us we beg you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So as you think about Jesus, be amazed. You should be. Be terrified. You should be. Hell is real. But most importantly, let your terror of judgment and your amazement with the wonderful Son of God lead you to be reconciled to Him. You know, maybe you've been in church countless times. Maybe you've heard this many times, but don't let yourself slip into becoming numb to it. Have you been reconciled to God? That's the only thing that will make you safe from the wrath of God, which is coming. Be amazed. Be terrified and cling to the Savior. Father, thank You for putting this in Your Word. Thank You for making this known to us. Most of all, thank You for the redemption that is ours in Your Son. May You get the glory for what is accomplished in every life here today. If there is a soul that is still dead in trespasses and sins, please bring new life today. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.